There's a code of silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on November the 25th, 2009. Newcomers look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com, and on that website, scroll down and see all the other servers I have up there, and which I use. There's cuttingthrough.jenkness.com, there's cuttingthroughthematrix.net.us.ca, there's Alan Watt, cuttingthroughthematrix.ca, and there's Alan Watt, sentinelsentinel.eu. The last one has all the same audios as the rest, but it has addition of transcripts of a lot of the talks I've given, which you can download for print-up, and they're translated into the various languages of Europe. And once in a while, the big servers do fail me. They, even though I'm on unlimited, basically, uploads, uh, they somehow limit me, and they can't figure out why their services are doing that. It's a big mystery to them, especially the big ones like Yahoo. So it's a good idea to have these bookmarked for future use. That way you can get the latest shows for download on one of the alternate sites. And remember that you are the listeners who bring me to you every night, and it's up to you to keep me going. Because this isn't a job, and it's not career, believe you me. It's a must-be as far as I'm concerned. It's something that's imperative, and that's the only reason I'm on the air, is to share the information I've had an accumulation of investigation throughout my lifetime, something I thought that everyone else did until I reached age about 20 and realized, no, they didn't. Uh, it kind of surprised me uh, as I tried to find out what made the big world tick. And I found out very quickly there were big, big movements, big political movements, and behind-the-scenes political movements that were private, in fact, that were running the lives of the peoples of the world, and they had this beautiful new world order lined up for us step-by-step, intergenerationally. So that's why I'm on the air, because we're going through the most crucial phases of this right now, under the con games of sustainability and global warming, climate change and carbon and all that stuff, this to change our lives forever, right down to how many people can breed and eventually down to the UN rationing all the food that your country will get. It's not what it needs, but what you decide uh, that you need. And this is intended to bring down the populations. It'll be your problem, but this is all the food there is. And they have the means to do it since they own all the agribusinesses at the top. All the agri-food businesses really are owned by the same top shareholders. So it's really one company. The food of the world, food and water, so essential. And then everything else is energy and all the rest of the stuff that you need to survive in this day and age. That's what they've gone after, and they've been awfully successful. Mainly because no one had a clue what was really happening down below, and the media's job was to keep you out of the loop. So you, it's up to you to keep me going, and you can do so by uh, donating to me or buying the books I have for sale at cuttingthroughthematrix.net. Personal checks are good for Canada and from the U.S. to Canada. Uh, international postal money orders are good from the U.S. You can get to the post office. And 
You can also use PayPal to order as well as it needs. Just send me a separate email if you want to order something. And outside the Americas, you can use MoneyGram, Western Union, PayPal, or cash. It's up to yourselves how you want to do it. Uh, cash certainly uh, is the easiest way to, to get money across because they charge an, a hell of a hefty fee with some of these companies just to wire it across the water. And those who get the disc burned and passed to them, you can always get in touch with me at Alan Watt, Site 41, Box 4, Estaire, which is E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada. The postal code is P as in Peter, 3 E as in Elizabeth, 4 N as in Nora, 1 P3E, 4 N, 1 Back after this break. This is Cutting Through the Matrix. Just mentioning it's up to you if you want to keep me going. And it's the same people who generally uh, donates over and over again. And the occasional newcomer comes in and then just forgets it again. So it's up to you to be persistent because, believe you me, those people at the top who are running our lives uh, are so well organized and they're per persistent and they have no problem whatsoever with funding to put out their propaganda. And the only way to counter it and to put out some facts for a change is to have the people on the air who can put out the right information to show up these characters, to show them for what they are, and to show what their agendas are all about as well, and how their scams work. And how really, uh, you still see the big, big picture of how the world is always planned, and that this is the only way they can truly get the population of the planet into a global, a true global governing system. Because governments have always existed, especially definitely expanded, uh, under the guise of protecting the people. For a, a global society, they have to have a war, an ongoing war all the time. And that's what the Club of Rome said in their own book, The First Global Re Revolution. And they came up with the idea of global warming and famine and the like, as they said, that would fit the bill back in the 1970s. So it's the only way they can expand their powers and get us to go along with it was to save everybody. To save so they came up with this bogus, you see. And it's so well funded, you would not believe it. Uh, I mentioned the salary, at least the, the grants that one professor has got over the years, 30.7 million dollars, uh, pounds, pounds, I think it was only 27 million dollars. So these characters are, are incredibly well funded, and you can see why they've got an incentive to keep churning out absolute nonsense and to fool the populace, but it's more than just that, it's an ideology it's at work. It's so similar to, the, to how the communists ran things, uh, it, it's, uh, it's really astonishing to see their techniques and how there's always a certain ones at the top who are somehow given credence as the top authors of data and uh, even the IPCC, this inter uh, intergovernmental panel on climate change that's set up the United Nations, depends on Mr. Jones and uh, the University of East Anglia for all their data. So Mr. Jones is only too happy to give them lots of fudge stuff that uh, can be screamed from the United Nations to all their different associations and world media uh, telling everybody to panic. That's how it's done, getting the right people who will stick to the party line. 
and do anything for the party. The same thing. This is not science we're talking about. It's a con job. And I've read some of the the emails sent between these different professors. Now, remember, it's not just one university. This is the main one that all the world universities deal with to do with climate change, supposed climate change. These guys, remember, maybe 15, 20 years ago, were lucky to get a class together. I mean, what are you going in for at the university? Oh, I'm, I'm going to study uh, climate, you know, and weather. Oh, uh, how interesting. And you all walk away. That's how bad it was. Suddenly, they're the gurus, you see. They're the new magicians, the, the court astrologers. And everybody's taught to panic and run to them for answers. And now they're in the limelight and they're flooded with grants from all over the place. So they're living it up. And they've got to keep a good thing going, obviously. Especially when so much is at stake. Not just their big high fat salaries and their fancy new computers that they keep updating to give them the right results but also to get this ideology across to the public because once the Copenhagen Treaty is signed and don't believe what they come out with or nothing much will be ratified what they will all ratify is the agreement to definitely agree with all the other uh, laws that come down from that same United Nations body they'll sign on to them all this is just getting them to agree to that that's what it's for and that's everything really because then it'd be a matter of rubber stamping every law that's passed from the UN. That's how it's been for many, many years on every other aspect of your life that you did not know about that was even happening. So this is a must-be for the big boys, all the eggs in one basket. Now, the, the hacked emails that apparently the BBC had for a long, long time and sat on because they were told to by their government, and the government obviously wants all this to happen all the big boys, all the big governments are in on the big giant con um, at one time under communism they say it was for world peace well they're using the same sort of idea here as to save the whole planet and uh, have happy Disneyland characters living all over the place with a reduced population here's some of the, the, the hacked emails that these experts, these experts, uh, blindly threw across at each other across the, the world uh, and showing you how they fudged it, the stuff. And one is from Tom Wigley, uh, uh, Friday the 6th November 2009. Uh, we probably need to say more about this. Land warming since 1980 has been twice the ocean warming. Now, this has been explained before by other scientists that literally have had campaigns set against them to stop them getting stuff published by these same characters that work for the IPCC because they put these darn thermometers in suburban areas and in the middle of cities where the concrete cooks everything so of course they get false readings but so that's what he's talking about here uh, that the land warming since 1980 according to all these thermometers across the world um, have, have been twice uh, the, the that of ocean warming it says and skeptics might claim that this proves that urban warming is real and important and then Kevin Trenbeth uh, before Wednesday the 14th to October 2009 says the fact is we can't account for the lack of warming at the moment because of what we've been cooling for years so they can't account for the lack of warming at the moment and it's a travesty that we can't the series data published in August, uh, BAMS, BAMS, 09 supplement in 2008 shows there should be even more warming, but the data are surely wrong. Our observing system is inadequate. That's when they always get new computers to, to give them what they want to hear. And 
He's from Michael Mann, the famous Michael Mann, who's been in trouble before uh, for his uh, mis-expertise throughout the years. And this is from 27th to the 10th, 2009. Perhaps we'll do a single update to the Yamal Post, e.g. linking Keith's new page uh, and in Gavin uh, as to the issues of robustness, particularly with the inclusion of the Yamal series. We actually emphasized that including the Osborne and Briffa 06 sensitivity test in original post. And then it says this, as we all know, this isn't about truth at all. It's about plausibility or plausibly deniable accusations. As we know, this isn't about truth at all. These great scientists, right, they're giving us all this data and feed it to the IPCC. This isn't about truth at all. It's about plausibly deniable accusations. And then Phil Jones, the great Phil Jones, the guy who's at the head of it, it shows you, so it shows them how to do that. So it says, in my two slides worth at Bethesda, I will be showing London's UHI and the effect it hasn't got any bigger since 1900. It's easy to do with three long time series. I'll show you how to fudge stuff and how it's easy to do. It's really something. And it literally is, it's like schoolboys. Uh, playing pranks with each other just playing pranks to to to, to like spoofs they would do spoofs they would do between each other uh, on what they're taught and then spoofing it that's what it's like that's what these guys have got because they've got nothing else they don't have any facts except the mandate this is a mandate in action to prove something that isn't happening something that's going to get passed through laws at the United Nations that literally will allow uh, governments to tax every individual according to your consumption of everything food, energy your purchasing of clothing and the much energy when you're making that clothing right down to how much CO2 you're breathing out and the CO2 that your car is giving out or your moped or whatever else it is it's, it's the biggest takeover through a chronology that's ever been devised ever ever been devised and then again, I've read the one before, it's from, it says here, I've uh, just completed Mike's Nature Trick, September 2009, of adding in the real temperatures to each series for the last 20 years. That's from 1981 onwards, and from 1961 for Keith's to hide the decline, to hide the decline in, in warming. These are the top scientists that we are supposed to hang our lives on on the outcomes of what they say. There's no science here, it's a mandate, it's an absolute mandate. It's, it's amazing, all the, all the different uh, links that are here and all the different uh, emails that are here, on and on and on it goes. And all the different graphs they came up with and how to fudge, how to fudge the findings in their favour. Quite something, eh? And it's amazing again how much uh, the mainstream media has been silent on this. Some have uh, had a few articles out, but but most of them are all on board with the agenda because their bosses tell them to be on board with it, and they all know where their paycheck comes from. Here's an article here from September the 23rd, 2009. The dog ate global warming. This is before the emails were disclosed to the public by Patrick Jai Michaels. Imagine if there were no reliable records of global surface temperature. 
Roche's policy debates such as cap and trade would have no scientific basis. Al Gore would be at this point little more than a historical footnote and President Obama would not be spending this United Nations session uh, talking up a likely unattainable international climate deal in Copenhagen in December. Well, it will be attainable because we'll sign on to agree with every uh, uh, subsequent agreements. Steal yourself for the new reality because the data needed to verify the gloom and doom warming forecasts have disappeared. This is what happened before the emails came out when the scientists asked for the data so they could replicate the tests and they were denied it and then they deleted all the stuff the guys who work for the IPCC deleted all the info back with more after this break and this is Cutting Through the Matrix reading an article from the National Review and it says that the dog ate global warming interpreting, interpreting climate data can be hard enough what if some key data have been fiddled it says then it says steal yourself the new reality because the data needed to verify the gloom and doom warming forecasts have disappeared or so it seems. Apparently they were either lost or purged from some discarded computer. Only a very few people know what really happened, and they aren't talking much. And what little they are saying makes no sense. In the early 1980s, with funding from the U.S. Department of Energy, that's who funded uh, this particular uh, group in the whole panel that gives the data to the IPCC. Funding from the U.S. Department of Energy. Why would they give that to an English university? Eh? Uh, scientists at the University's Kingdom, University of East Anglia, established the Climatic Research Unit, CRU, to produce the world's first comprehensive history of surface temperature. It's known in the trade as the Jones and Wigley record for its authors, Phil Jones and Tim Wigley, and it served as primary reference standards from the, for the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change until 2007. It was this record that prompted the IPCC to claim a discernible human influence on global climate. Now, it's interesting, too, that that's about seven years after they decided at the Club of Rome to, to, when they dreamed up and they admit dreaming up the idea to bring the world together under a war scenario with man against the planet that was the idea that said global warming um, famine and the like that would fit the bill and here so seven years later funding from the US Department of Energy gets this whole thing kicked off and the IPCC uh, the United Nations, Nations is all set up you see to deal with it Putting together such a record isn't at all easy. Weather stations weren't really designed to monitor global climate. Long-standing ones were usually established at points of commerce, which tends to grow into cities that induce spurious warming trends in their records. 
trees grow up around thermometers and lower the afternoon temperature. Further, as documented by the University of Colorado's Roger Pialke, Sr., many of the stations themselves are placed in locations such as in parking lots or near heat vents where artificially high temperatures are bound to be recorded. And it makes you wonder if they're put there on purpose, huh? after all the scandals come out. So the weather data that go into the historical climate records that are required to verify models of global warming aren't the original records at all. Jones and Wigley, however, weren't specific about what was done to which stations in order to produce the record, which according to the IPCC showed a warming of 0.6 degrees, plus or minus 0.2 degrees centigrade in the 20th century. Now begins the fun Warwick Hughes, an Australian scientist, wondered what, where that plus and minus came from, so he politely wrote Phil Jones, as all scientists are supposed to do. This is how you do it. You get the scientist data, then you, you do experimentation and so on, and you check it over. So he politely wrote Phil Jones in the early 2005, asking for the original data. Jones's response to a fellow scientist attempting to replicate his work was, we have 25 years or so invested in this work. Why should I make the data available to you when your aim is to try and find something wrong with it? This is a scientist talking, supposedly. That's what you're supposed to do with all your data. Put it up there for examination. Come what may from the results. Says, we read that statement for it is breathtaking in its anti-scientific thrust. In fact, the entire purpose of replication is to try and find something wrong. The ultimate objective of science is to do things so well that, indeed, nothing is wrong. Then the story changed. In June 2009, Georgia Tech's Peter Webster told Canadian researcher Stephen McIntyre that he had requested raw data and Jones freely gave it to him. So McIntyre promptly filed a Freedom of Information Act request for the same data. Despite having been invited by the National Academy of Sciences to present his analysis of millennial temperatures, McIntyre was told that he couldn't have the data because he was an academic. <laughs> so his colleague Ross McKittrick, an economist at the University of Guelph, asked for the data. He was turned down too. So anybody who could possibly use science to see to critique the, 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 the um, findings has been turned down. Faced with a growing number of such requests, Jones refused them all, saying that there were confidentiality agreements regarding the data between CRU and nations that supplied the data. McIntyre's blog readers then requested those agreements, country by country, but only a handful turned out to exist. <laughs> Mainly from third world countries. <laughs> and written in very vague language, I bet it was... It's worth noting that McKittrick and I have published papers demonstrating that the quality of land-based records is so poor that the warming trend estimated since 1979, the first year for which we could compare those records to independent data from satellites, may have been overestimated by 50%. Webster, who received the CRU data, published studies linking changes in hurricane patterns to warming, while others have found otherwise. The opposite. Enter the dog that ate global warming. And it goes on to page two. But it, it just shows you all the con tricks that have been pulled and pulled because, as I say, this is a, this is a well-planned, uh, from the top, agenda to bring the world into global governance, as they call it, post-democratic, by the way, where we're all in a war 
to save the world and sacrifice ourselves in the process. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. I am Alan Watts, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. And it's interesting, too, to see how some of the real greenies, and I mean dyed-in-the-wool greenies, the ones who have a new religion, a real cause, you see. Everyone needs a cause and a religion. And uh, how they're going crazy with uh, the scandal that's rocked their, their world to do with their heroes. Uh, heroes really are, that are treated by them like gods. You know, gods of the, the new greening age. And uh, so they listen to all the fearful news and then they try to find a way to combat it by putting up solar panels and, and going green and riding bikes and all that stuff. And to be an example to us all, they're cracking up. And this particular one here, this is on, on uh, is, is by Paul Joseph Watson on Prison Planet. It's got a good article on one of them, Ed Begley Jr., an actor. Uh, and in Hollywood, everyone who's in acting has to have a cause. It's just one of these things. You have to have a cause, you see, and a charity or something. But this guy is a believer, Ed Begley. It says here, celebrity environmentalist Ed Begley makes an absolute clown out of himself on Fox News, claiming peer-reviewed studies prove man-made global warming when hacked emails clearly illustrate how peer-reviewed process is completely biased and corrupt. This is November the 25th. It says that if the juvenile and wildly erratic behavior of celebrity environmentalist Ed Begley Jr. is anything to go by, the warmest are more upset about Climate Gate than they're letting on. Begley appeared in Fox News yesterday to react to the explosive story of the hijacked CRU emails, which proved that climate scientists affiliated with the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change altered temperature data models in order to hide the decline in global warming since the 1960s, as well as engaging in academic witch hunts to ensure the work of skeptical scientists was blocked from appearing in peer-reviewed journals. I mean, you wouldn't believe the power these guys were wielding from behind the scenes to stop other people looking into the data. Uh, literally, smear campaigns exactly the same way as the communists did it. When asked about the scandal, uh, Begley immediately restored, uh, resorted to invoking the words peer-reviewed studies, uttering the phrase no less than eight times in an attempt to dismiss the hundreds of skeptical scientists whose stance on global warming proves that the debate is not over. Unfortunately for this clown, his constant repetition of the term only discredited his argument with each mention. The hacked emails show that warmest conspired, and it did the conspired, to conduct academic witch hunts in order to prevent studies which didn't jive with their agenda from appearing in peer-reviewed journals. As the Telegraph's James Dellingpole highlights, the expose reveals a long series of communications discussing how best to squeeze dissenting scientists out of the peer review process. How, in other words, to create a scientific climate in which anyone who disagrees with AWGW can be written off as a crank, whose views do not have a scrap of authority. That's what they were telling them at these journals. Don't, don't publish them. 
Other emails illustrate how Warmus embarked on a campaign to discredit peer-reviewed journals that dared publish studies which contra uh, contradicted the man-made global warming hypothesis. And that's the key to the trying to say it's man-made too, you know, and that's the other part that ties in with the Club of Rome's idea. The emails illustrate that the peer review process is completely corrupted. Warmest can invoke peer-reviewed studies until they're blue in the face, as Begley does in this interview, but the fact is that the entire foundation of the argument has been, deb been debunked. Now it is proven that an inherent bias to censor unfair favorable studies from appearing in such journals has been in place. And ain't that a fact, eh? I mean, it, it, but isn't it a shame, too, that Joe Public, the vast majority of Joe Public out there, they go through their lives day by day and come home uh, fed up at work and they have something to eat and uh, sit in front of that TV set. They don't know what's been going on. They, they, they don't know what's been planned for them. They don't know what's going to hit them. When all these laws come down the pike from the United Nations to save the world, you understand, and how we're going to be taxed into... Uh, we'll be lucky to get a bicycle, e even one with one wheel, a unicycle at the end of all this law. And they'll want us all into the cities. And by putting on carbon taxes for every mile you drive, and that's where it'll come, just like Denmark, uh, Holland. Holland's been the first one to go ahead with this. Uh, they'll drive everybody off the roads, especially those in the rural areas. But that is the Agenda 2 under Agenda 21, also from the United Nations. See, it all ties in together. It's beautiful, isn't it? It's what you expect in a war-type scenario. And believe you me, the United Nations is at war with the world. That's what it was set up to do. Then we've also got from the CNN.com, official Obamas to attend the climate change summit. Well, that was a foregone conclusion. President Obama will go to Copenhagen, Denmark next month for a climate change summit, the White House said Wednesday. According to a news release, Obama is prepared to set a goal of reducing emissions to 17% below 2005 levels over the next decade. Well, why not just write that off? Because see, most of the factories have gone from the US, so their emissions are obviously all down already. But that won't matter, will it? Facts don't matter with the agenda. The White House also reiterated Obama's goal of reducing U.S. emissions by 83% by 2050. I guess that there's not going to be too many people walking around beside the U.S. by then. The targets come from a climate change bill passed by the House of Representatives. The Senate has yet to pass the bill, so the United States has not com uh, committed itself to any binding goals. Obama said he would be in Oslo, Norway, to accept his Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> <laughs> on December the 10th but had not confirmed he would go to the United Nations summit known as the Conference of Parties 15 which runs December the 7th to the 18th to attend the UN Framework Convention on Climate Change the day before he goes to Oslo the White House said so it's it's pretty well a done deal. I don't care if, if uh, as I say, God himself came down and says, here are the facts, Jack. No one, you know, they just still go ahead with it. This is a must-be. that They've been planning this for so many years. They've even got, as I say, a whole new economy arranged through carbon trading and personal taxation and banks that the money's to get funneled through for carbon taxes and so on. The same old bankers we've mentioned over and over.
<clears throat> so this is a must be that they're not going to back off from this now I don't care what happens I don't care if, if literally you wake up tomorrow in a cube of ice they'll tell you it's global warming and that's that's a definite but however we can't give up on it we've got to keep exposing this this stuff can you imagine how many children have been taught for years especially stepping up in the year 2000 onwards about global warming and how man is the enemy of the planet it's been drummed into them and in a few years time they'll be in their 20s and they'll be up there wearing uniforms and coming into your home to check this and check that and see how much you're eating just like they're doing in Britain going into your fridges from the government and that's when it comes down to uh, rationing and they come into your house to check how much rations you have are you getting what you're supposed to get or if you got extra where do you get it from that's all going to come from this a warfare scenario is what the club of Rome said it would have to be what do you have in warfare? You have rationing of not just gasoline and oil, all kinds of energy, gas and so on. You have rationing of food. You have people's on the move. Where are they moving to? Generally the next civilized place, getting driven off of where they are. And we've all to get crammed into the cities, the already overcrowded cities, uh, until we sort of die off. The generation just dies off then in comes the brave new world this very vague thing they're talking about around the year 2050 or so where according to the military's own think tanks and in their foresight for the next 50 years or 30 years there's going to be nothing but riots starting around 2010 2012 onwards to do with food riots poverty riots and how eventually the UN will take over as a world government body but after that, as I said, there'll be a decline once, I guess once we're all, most of us are dead, you see there'll be a decline to a few major city-states a few major city-states scattered across the world high-tech, very, very high-tech and just nothing outside them except the rabble who are, the remnants who are dying off read this stuff yourself Read it yourself. I've got the articles from the military think tanks up on my archive section. I've got the British ones for the Department of Defense and NATO. I've got the US ones and I've got the Canadian ones so that they all agree with the same scenario. These are governments, uh, military bodies with their projections. Now the US is also going into uh, this beautiful United Nations standardized world of of socialized medicine which is really the barest form of medic medicine you can imagine it again if you go to the United Nations treaty it says that every nation will have uh, the, the, the minimal care and health care offered to them as possible and they mean minimum now many countries already have that and as far back as uh, the, the 80s I think it was in the US and Canada there's a, there's at the same time it's always at the same time because we've been together for a long time you see joined at the hip uh, through a, a, another part of the government which no one mentions and they were c cutting down and, and stop and actually closing down uh, lots of the, most of the rural hospitals and the country hospitals they're all closing them down until there's nothing left but the big cities that again was to discourage people living in the country 
this has been an ongoing war and people don't even realize it or how long it's been going on even this phase of it this part of it it was on the go long before you were born but what they bring in in the US is the same kind of system that they have in Britain and I've checked with uh, I have an article here from the Rand Corporation they were asked to look into the US uh, medical system to see where it could be cut back to the bone and everything they came up with could be checked with how it is in Britain cutting out all unnecessary procedures and then they start slashing even from there uh, on and what's actually necessary that's what the Rand Corporation that was a, that was a report for the government for Obama's government and this is what you're going to get in the US because here in Britain you're just like cattle going in and out of factories and clinics like day clinics where none of the doctors know you because you'll never see the same one twice it's like this rotate them whole streams of them through different clinics so you're a number coming through the door and they'll work really with you as soon as possible but not only that when you go in if you manage to get in for an operation in the hospital uh, uh, unless you know you'll get, you'll get in if you want sterilized or your, your fallopian tubes uh, cut or um, a vasectomy or sometimes maybe a sex change but anything outside that which is necessary you aren't going to get you'll be on the books for maybe, uh, maybe years until you're dead that's what they hope for you'll die first but they go through the shams of taking x-rays now here's an article about the shams of taking x-rays which you get in socialized medicine and this is from the BBC <coughs> Wednesday 18th November 100,000 x-rays went unchecked and this is just the tip of the iceberg here a doctor has claimed he was sacked for being a whistleblower after finding 100,000 unprocessed x-rays hidden in a hospital cupboard Dr. Otto Chan lost his radiology job at the Royal London Hospital in 2006. He told an employment tribunal the hidden x-rays would mean cancelled operations and missed appointments for people whose scans could not be found. But it also mean a lot of people died off because they weren't even read. Barts on the London National Health Service Trust claims Dr. Chan, 52, was a troublemaker who'd undermined management by complaining. Obviously, you're a troublemaker if you complain. Their lawyer, Angus Moon, QC, as Queen's Counsel, told the hearing Dr. Chan had clashed with several senior colleagues at the hospital in Whitechapel, East London, before his sacking. But Dr. Chan said, I would accept I persisted and continued to persist in issues which are important and relate to patient care. Oh, how dare he <laughs> when it's with his policy the hospital uh, to turn a blind eye the problem becomes that if you persist in problems that relate to patient care you're going to be labelled a troublemaker and there will then be occasions when you step out of line Dr. Chan said 100,000 x-rays should have been examined to search for signs of illness or infection because after all that's what they were taken for <laughs> but it's only the patients you see at the bottom of the heap the general population hmm. it, it says it says Dr. Chan says the position was that Barts and the London had hidden these films in a cupboard and they were totally inaccessible to any clinician or any clerk he also told the tribunal he'd repeatedly raised issues about training and the use of junior staff in the department he said the junior staff in our department were doing too much unsupervised work it's called, this is called socialized cutbacks, you see. The department's going rapidly backwards. I had real concerns about patient care and relating to the training program. He explained that rather than being shown a procedure, 
junior junior doctors who would just be thrown in on the job, right? We're given notes before being told to go and practice it on a patient. <laughs> That's when you better read your fortune cookie, eh? <laughs> but there's a farce, you see. Isn't it amazing, too, how the Bernays tricks have been used of treating perceptions? Uh, and that ties in with... Uh, all marketing, all marketing and media. It's like uh, Jack C. Lowell said a long time ago in one of his books that all hospital, hospital medical drama series and movies, and all detective work for for police and so on, they're all they're, they're all propaganda. And that's the intention of them to to build them up into something they're not in your mind until you believe it. And most folk do believe the propaganda. They believe that hospitals are work just the same way as they are on the on uh, general hospital or some drama series on television. Everyone seems to know what they're doing, and everything is going by the book. And there's always someone in charge who always knows more than the rest. That the older one, uh, and procedures are carried out. And no matter what happens, they can always save the patient. That's the impression they give you. And they're also they're all about 20 years of age, by the way, on the TV dramas. They're getting younger all the time, and um, that's kind of farcical. And uh, that's what they give you. Same as with the police, too. They give you the idea that police, uh, they can't sleep at night. They're, the, the detectives are up all night and every night worrying about that guy who killed that little boy or girl. And they're going to spend all their time pulling their hair out until they find the bad guy. That's what we think they're all about. In reality, the police are there to, to watch all of you. That's what they're there for. And the police are also there to, to make sure that enough tickets are given out every day to bring in, to generate funds, money for governments, local government, federal government, and so on. That's what they do. But propaganda is, is quite amazing, isn't it? Propaganda wins over fact. Now, the Toronto Star, a while ago, um, and I read it to the time, back in 2006, uh, did an article on a chip, a body chip for ID, and I'm going to read this again from the Wise Up Journal, who's put it, who's repeated this story after this break. I am Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Uh, just to touch on this article here, it's from Wise Up Journal. They've repeated a story. It was in the Toronto Star on the 10th or the 12th, 2006, by Kevin Haggerty. And it says here, By the time my four-year-old son is swathed in the soft flesh of old age, he'll likely find it unremarkable that he and almost everyone he knows will be permanently implanted with a microchip automatically tracking his location in real time it'll connect him with databases monitoring and recording his smallest behavioral traits and that's a fact folks um, I'll, I'll put this link up too for this article and see for yourself um, because at the first meeting that in the year 2000 I think it was international science meeting held in um, I think it was in Louisiana at a university there kicked off by Newt Gingrich it was about the implantable chip and they turned out 600 pages on it and they said 
that uh, they, they've, they've already got the technology ready to go. Even centralized computers, or, or regional computers, they called it regional, that'll basically transmit messages to every person and receive them from every person, and that you would no longer be an individual once this is done. And they've had subsequent meetings every year since. That was at the Loyola University. And they've had a two or three of the meetings here, as far as I know, maybe more every year so uh, this is a this is what's coming up in the future and they said the end of individuality would come out of this and they said think more like the hive where you hear whispers going to your head and back from your, your, your and to those around you and whispers going back from those people back to the, the regional computers this is all on the cards and here they have meetings about world meetings by all the top once again experts in the field of biotechnology there's Mark from Wisconsin. I might manage to get him in. Are you there, Mark? Yeah, this is Mark from the land of the dead. How you doing, Alan? Oh, not so bad, but uh, they're pretty dead up here, too, though. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got this thing the legislators are trying to bring down. It's uh, They want to give power to the water board to control 1,000 feet back from every lake and pond, 300 feet back from every river, stream, creek, and dry creek bed. They want to be able to tell you what plants to grow, mm -hmm. what color you can paint your house, if you can build a structure, and uh, you've got to you've got to uh, do the improvements on your land on your land that you want if you want to do anything like add a, uh, a deck to your house. Mm -hmm. Yep. Oh yeah, it's, it's amazing. That goes back to one of the UN meetings. The first one I read was in the 19 late 60s. Uh, from they had a UN, UN meeting in Israel at the time, and they discussed the takeover of the world's water supply, which also meant that also be laws galore to deal with the average person and what you can and cannot do with water, yeah. And the, the uh, water board, after they get the control, they're allowed to interpret the, the vague laws, of, the vague draconian laws, I might add, yeah. that they're putting on the books. Yes. But they're allowed to change the rules, so whatever they're telling the people that they're going to do with the rules now is not even true. You're right. Yeah. On the road. You're, you're absolutely right. What they do is put something on the books, and then they put in amendments, nothing but more and more amendments every every month or two months or three months, uh, until you're wrapped in, uh, basically you're tied up in rope by the end of it, yeah. Right. This is to be an administrative council, too, uh, where no remedy is provided. Uh, which means you can't sue them statutorily. And uh, that, that's the Soviet Union, isn't it, ruled by councils? Ruled by councils, and that's what the United Nations is based upon. But the councils are non-governmental organizations that pretend to speak on behalf of the public. They're unelected, and they're actually owned and paid for uh, and funded by the foundations that are owned by the big bankers. You're quite right, though. That's who funded the Soviet system. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good night. And you too. And from Hamish myself in Ontario, Canada, it's good night. And may your God or your gods go with you.